0: What I would like to say is, there was the sermon right there, those songs. Amen. Kneel at the cross, victory in Jesus, there's power in the blood. That's what we're, that's what we're here for. That's what we're supposed to be sharing. And uh, I just hope that for myself, that was a challenge to truly listen to the words that you sang. And uh, so I'm, I'm truly thankful that. For Glenn for leading those songs. It sort of leads right into what I want to share with all of you this morning, and I do want to thank you for being here this morning. And as we look at the title that I have uh, given my sermon this morning, what I want to share is Waiting in Expected Anticipation While Serving God. We can do that, and that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel with those around us. We're supposed to... Um, Share the good news with those around us. And uh, as an introduction here, as we look at several different people in the Bible that truly did this, are we or am I challenged to do the same thing? The same thing as serving God while I'm waiting on Jesus Christ to return again. And uh, because that is the good news. We want to all go to heaven to spend eternity with Him in heaven and to be able to worship Him and to uh, see what what He has prepared for us there in heaven and I'm looking forward to that. Some, sometimes we think it's uh, we go to different uh, some of the God's creations here on this earth and uh, we see the the handiwork of God, but it's probably only a very minute glimpse of what we'll see in heaven, and I'm so looking forward to that as well. So this morning, my text will be taken from Luke 2, not trying to rush Christmas or anything, but uh, I just felt God leading me in that, and and it, it leads right into this. Some people that have followed God's direction and did it with Expected anticipation. Expectation, definition of expectation. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So obviously expecting something that's going to happen in the future. So if we do that, uh, we have to, we're looking forward to that. And then anticipation. Uh, just thinking of little kids, they anticipate Christmas and Christmas morning. They want to unwrap the gifts. You know, it's, it's so exciting. Am I that excited about Jesus coming back again? Or am I saying, whoa, whoa, I'm not quite ready yet. So I hope that we can all have that anticipation of, and the definition of anticipation is probable, is regarding as probable, eagerly awaiting excitement. And that's what we, I was trying to bring across as far as Children, they look forward to Christmas and unwrapping gifts. And so, as we look at this this story, there's I'm going to be going through a lot of scriptures this morning, but it all ties into waiting for for what God wants in their lives or what they're looking, what they're anticipating, and it's basically anticipating Messiah, deliverance from Rome, maybe, and different things like that. But they were all anticipating but they committed their lives to doing what God has called them to do and that's what my challenge is for myself is doing that as well so I will be reading from Luke 2 25 through 40 to begin with and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of Of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, as we're challenged with these examples in the Bible that we can go to and we can draw uh, uh, strength from that and, and apply it to our own lives. Father, help us to wait in anticipation of your, of your son Jesus coming back to take us home with him. But help us to not just wait and not do anything for you. Lord, we're called to do the work of spreading the gospel and sharing the good news. So we just want to commit this, this message into your hands that you would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at the different characters that I, wrote about, I read about, it was Simeon. And I always like Bible stories. And Simeon, if, if you look at that, He's described as a a just man. He was devout. And in verse 24, what he said, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And most of the examples that I'll be using today, which was in the time before the Holy Spirit, before Pentecost, it fell. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'd never grasped that before when I was reading all these examples. The Holy Spirit was dwelling in them or the Holy Spirit was with them. So God was still, God was working in their lives. They had a relationship that the Holy Spirit was on him. And if we have the Holy Spirit within us, when we accept Jesus, he is going to guide and direct us. And that's exactly what they did. All these examples. And uh, he was looking forward to, here it says, in, uh, he was looking forward to the redemption and for the deliverance or the consolation of, of Israel, to be redeemed, to be out from underneath the Romans, and to be free from their, uh, their rule. And obviously, that would be uh, being under Roman rule because they were a chosen people, but they were being governed by somebody that was not a God-fearing government. And so that we can take an example from that as well. This was a huge huge disappointment, I'm sure, for all the Israelites, but they were still asked to stand strong and believe in God and to do what they had what they were asked of doing them, of them. And it also says there uh, that uh he was being, you know, he was looking, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation. So basically the fulfillment or whatever but then we also look at consolation what can be that as far as the consolation is the comfort received by a person after a loss or disappointment which they were dis- disappointed disappointment disappointed and uh, so in that way there was some comfort we've heard of a consolation prize haven't we who who gets the consolation prize the second one in line, not the first one, right? But I don't think that's what he was looking for. This wasn't. This was not a consolation in that part of it. He wanted. They wanted comfort. They wanted deliverance. So in that, in that, they could take that consolation. In Jesus, knowing that He's going to provide for them, looking for that Messiah, and uh, he was also waiting for the prophecy to to be fulfilled, as we found, find in Isaiah 49, 3 through 7, that he was hanging on to that because that's what they had. They had the Old Testament so they could read from that. They knew there was a Messiah coming. But when is the Messiah coming? In God's timing. And so not just sitting idly and not doing anything, he was still serving um, and, and he was at the temple. Not only that, as we look in verse 27... He came to this, by the Spirit. And so it's saying there, He came by the Spirit. He was led. He was supposed to have been there to be able to do His work. And then He uh, pronounced a blessing upon the baby. And so as, as we do that, we can, listen, uh, we can observe that He, as He was led to do that part of it, it was fulfilled to Him. And He had had a vision or something God had spoken to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And here it was being fulfilled because he was obedient. He was at the temple at that time. And so he was obedient doing that. And so I want to look also another prophecy that Simeon um, saw this prophecy being fulfilled. And there's lots of prophecies about Jesus. And uh, so as we look at Isaiah 52... Verses 6 through 10. And it reads this way. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices with their voices. They shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Simmons is seeing this being fulfilled. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So he was resting in that promise that he would see that fulfilled. And so he was obedient. And he was doing what God called him to to do. But he was still waiting for God's timing. So many times we like to jump ahead, uh, get the the, uh, cart in front of the horse uh, as the saying goes. But we have to wait on God. But not take it to that extreme that we don't do anything, but we're still doing God's, God's work. And then we can also look at Anna as well, as she was in the temple as well. What does it say? Um, verse 38 and coming in that instant, again, leading by the Holy Spirit, being there as God directed her, so she could see the fulfillment. And she has been waiting for how long? How long? She was married for seven years only. Then she was widowed. And she'd been a widow for around 84 years. 84 years she went to the temple. And what's it say that she was doing? She was doing, in 84, in in verse 38 says, spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Looking forward to that redemption. She spent 84 years of her life doing what God had called her to do. And then she saw the fulfillment. She saw that being fulfilled. She was there because she was obedient. She saw the Messiah. She saw the Messiah. So she was doing what? She was doing an evangelist's work, right? She was proclaiming of what was going to be happening. The good news of, of the Messiah. And I think that's what we're all called to do as well. There's lots of verses that we can find in the Bible that pertain to waiting and seeing what God has for us. Lamentations three, twenty-five and 26. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We need to wait quietly but we still need we can't earn our salvation by works but if we are a believer that's what we're called to do on this on this earth to share the good news about Jesus Christ Psalm 37 7 says rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him Um, Friday I uh, performed a wedding ceremony it was for Elaine Troyer, some of you might know her. And I just said, in, in, the, in my message there, I said, so many times it was talking about patience. And I was talking to them as far as we learn patience through being married with, with each other. And, uh, and I said, but don't pray the prayer of, Lord, I need patience, but I want it right now. I don't think that's how it works. But then also, Patience. When we pray for for patience, what's going to happen? God's going to test us, right? He's going to test us. And so we have to be uh, assured that God is testing us, seeing if that's truly what we want. But she waited 84 years to see the fulfillment of what she knew was going to happen. Am I going to be doing the same thing for what I know what's going to be happening? Jesus is coming back. Am I going to be faithful? Am I going to keep doing that? There's lots of other examples in the Bible as well as we look at um, different characters in the Bible. Looking at Joseph of Arimathea. He was looking for the redemption of, of Israel, of Jerusalem. And I'm sure he thought when he saw Jesus hanging on the cross, ah, now what, God? I thought this was our salvation our redemption. But then again, what did he do? He was not idle because it was, become, it was close to being the, the time of, of, of the Sabbath to begin. And so he knew he had to do something because he can't leave Jesus hanging on the cross because that would be a disgrace to, to God. So he went and asked for the body. He did something and he put him in the, his own tomb. He did what God asked of him, and he fulfilled prophecies in doing that. I don't know if he is aware of that or not, but he was working. I mean, he was doing what God asked of him. And so, we have to be. He took courage. I'm sure it took courage to go and approach Pilate and say, "Hey, may I have this criminal's body?" And he asked him. Well, is he dead? And he looked at the soldiers. Is, has, is he dead? Yes, he's dead. And so he gave him permission to take Jesus' body and place him in the tomb so that what? More prophecies could be fulfilled. He was, he was being used by God even though he might not have realized it. So that what? We can receive encouragement from that because we see that those prophecies have, that were fulfilled. So we know we can look at, back at that and know that yes, Jesus is coming back. And so I need to share that truth and that gospel with others as well. Going right along with that, with different people that were involved in in Jesus' life during that time, during the crucifixion. We can draw lots of different things from uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. But I just thought it was another perfect example of how they were waiting. Luke 24, 21 says, obviously when Jesus was talking to these, and they were expressing their disappointment because of what happened. Jesus was crucified, their Savior, the Redeemer, the Redeemer of Israel, of Jerusalem. But now He's in the tomb. And they were going on the way to Emmaus. And they were just expressing their disappointment in, now what do we do? Luke twenty four twenty one. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. It was being fulfilled. Jesus was walking right there with them. They did not see it till later on. It came came upon them. They realized the prophecy was fulfilled. But they were waiting. They were waiting. And then, oh, we talked with the Lord. It must have been him. It was him because of what he said. And so he rose and he was with them. He was walking right beside them again. Another person that we can think of in the Old Testament that waited and waited and waited Abraham for the fulfillment of that promise. He waited. He tried to do it on his own. That doesn't, usually doesn't work very well, does it? Because us as human beings, we don't know what God get, has in store for us or how. He's sovereign. He's in control. So sometimes it's better to wait. And Abraham would have been better off waiting. But so many times we want to t- try to take things in our hands. But we need to do God's work. But waiting is part of that as well. God asks us to wait. Take the example of Anna, 84 years before she saw that fulfillment. I'm not sure, it doesn't say how long that, uh, that Simeon would have been waiting or, or serving in his capacity that he was looking forward to that as well. So we're going to, I'm going to stay in Luke again, Luke 1, verses 1 through 15. This is another example of someone that has, was waiting. They had to wait, but it was scriptures then being fulfilled as well. Luke 1, 5 through 15. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division... According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of the incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So he heard the Lord. They had waited all this time. It says Zacharias and Elizabeth were both righteous. They were both older, still waiting on a son to be born. Obviously, it's 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 giving us the impression they were past the child child uh, birthing years of both of them. But God still saw fit to work through that because it was there again. It's fulfilling a prophecy, a prophecy of John the Baptist who will, who will preach the coming. Uh, preached the coming of Jesus Christ, the forerunner. And as we look at Zechariah he was fulfilling the office of the priest. And at that time, up until that time, an estimated number of 18,000 priests at this time in Jewish history. And they never knew when the lot would fall on them. And if the lot would fall on them It was a one-time service that they served. And I'm sure as a priest, they were looking forward to that. They were anticipating that. But I'm sure he never figured while he was doing what he was called to do, that he would have, uh, it would be revealed to him that he would be able to have a son. But it was revealed to him. And obviously, his response was, but how can that be? We're, we're, We're too old. How can that be? But then God revealed it to him. And obviously we know what happened. He was mute. He wasn't able to talk. And, then, and he was in there so long they were wondering what's happening in there. But he came back out. And he wasn't able to speak. And the people thought something happened in there. He saw something. He encountered something in the temple while he was doing what he was doing. And Obviously later on we find, found, find out that that was, um, that was what happened. But then, when he says in verse 13, your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you should call his name John. Can we also think your prayers have been heard? Surely, all the priests that have been going in there, they were praying for the Redeemer, the Messiah, to come. Was it just the one prayer that was being fulfilled? Or was it two? Having a son? And the Messiah coming as well. And so they were also, he, can, he probably in his mind knew that that was probably going to be happening as well. And so as we look at that, Isaiah 40 is there's a prophecy of John the Baptist and then also of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I won't take time to read that, but read that on your own. See what that prophecy is all about. See how it, it explains. John the Baptist has to, had to come first. Then he was baptizing with water. Then Jesus came, and he was baptizing in the Spirit. So um, there's more prophecies there. Then as we, we look at Elizabeth as well, during that time that she was carrying John the Baptist. Let's look at uh, Luke 1, verses 42 and 43. No, 41 and 42. 42. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting. Obviously, this was when, when um, Mary went to visit Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There again, it was before the Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, obviously, we can go on, and, but I don't want to get into that. There's a lot more there as far as the Magnificent and everything else tied in with that passage. But basically, I'm trying to bring out, she was being blessed. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. God was working in Elizabeth's life as well. And they were fulfilling that. Zechariah and Elizabeth were fulfilling what God had asked of them. Then also later on in verse 67 of Luke 1, it talks about uh, Luke 1 verses 63 through 69. It's still talking about Zechariah because this was after the son was born. So let's read 63 through 69. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open as his, and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, praising God. Then fear came upon all who dwelt among, around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hills of Judea. And all those who heard them kept in their hearts saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So there again, he kept, once he got his voice back, he was proclaiming what was going to still happen because he knew that the Messiah was coming. He realized the prophecy was fulfilled about his son being born. He was supposed to be the one, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So he kept going out there, and and he was doing what God asked him to do. He was waiting, but he was still proclaiming the gospel. And as we look at these, we can also look at Mary. I want to look at Mary and the different examples that she has set for us uh, as far as her responses. I've got got this titled, uh, Mary's Responses, found in Luke uh, 1. 26 through 38. I won't be reading any of that at this time, but I will just go. Obviously, what was Zechariah's response? How can this be? How can this be? I'm too old. What was Mary's response? Hers was totally different than Zechariah because she had been, and what I think was sort of needed, if we look at this, it reflected that she'd been taught in her home. And when she went to the temple, she heard about that there's a Messiah coming. And she was looking for, forward to that, to the redemption. And it's basically sort of the, as, as we had, as Chris was uh, bringing us uh, the home, in the home. We as parents are supposed to be teaching our children what we believe is happening, going to be happening, the second coming, and to be able to teach them in the Word of God. I think Mary was being taught in her home and at the temple as well. And so she fully understood when the angel appeared unto her and spoke to her that she responded in the correct way. And I believe for myself, I want to have the right, correct response too when God calls me to do something. Or the Holy Spirit nudges me to go help someone or to listen to someone. And as we as parents, I think we, can, we should be doing the same, way, same thing with our children. Teaching them so that they could learn. We're waiting on God, but we're still doing what God calls us to do, to proclaim the gospel and to share the gospel. And so as we give that example to our children, they're ready to be able to accept what God has for them. What was Mary's response? Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She surrendered herself totally to what God had in store for her life. And I want to do that as well. Total surrender because she was taught in Deuteronomy 6, 7. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It's basically all day long, right? It gives life we are supposed to be teaching our children all day long, not just a set time. Because we can give it examples. It says when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you're traveling, wherever you're going, when you lie down getting ready to go to bed, when you rise up in the morning, all day long, when you have that interaction with our chil- children, we're supposed to be teaching them. And I'm sure that with her waiting and in anticipation of that fulfillment, of that prophecy of the, of, of the Messiah, can you just imagine how she felt? That she was chosen to be able to fulfill that prof- prophecy. That would be a very humbling experience, I believe. Would have been for her. See. And that's why she responded the way says She did. Behold, I'm made servant, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Some other responses that we can look at. Luke 2.19. It was after the shepherds were there. They came to visit her. They came to to worship the Messiah. And Mary's response was, but Mary kept all these things in Luke 2.19 and pondered them in her heart, wondering what is going to be happening. Is this truly the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Messiah? After Simeon's blessing, found in verse 33 of Luke 2, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. She marveled, Joseph along with her. What about after Jesus was 12 years old, they went to visit the temple. They had left. They were gone. Hey, where's Jesus at? Have you seen Jesus? Hey, Mary, have you seen Jesus? No, I haven't seen him. Surely he's with his cousins. Surely he's somewhere. They couldn't find him. They had to travel all the way back to Jerusalem, to the temple. And there they found him in the temple. And this is what it says in verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. They were amazed. There again, just reassurance, this is the Messiah. And so we can see different things as we look forward to what is going to be happening. What is my response going to be when God asks me to do something? Am I going to say, ah, I can't do it. I don't have time. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have the abilities. And I'm talking to myself. It's a challenge to myself. How am I going to respond? Am I going to have to sacrifice my time? Maybe some of my resources. When God calls me to do something. But we're waiting on Jesus to return. That's what we were waiting. But am I going to have the correct response? Am I going to be like Mary responded? Basically, your will be done. I will do as you ask of me. So that's a challenge for myself as well. And so uh, as we do that, uh, tying back into with, with our children, so many times we as parents, we would like to say this and, and we would like to see it work with this, this type of response. Now do as I say, but don't do as I do. But just, just follow my instructions, but don't look at me. But we're supposed to take the, the example of Practice what you preach. And so I think that's a challenge for myself. Even, not just to our children, but to the world around us. Whatever we do had better line up with what we preach. Because if we don't, we, we could be called a heretic and not following what God has called us to do. And then we could be playing, well, Jesus is coming. Yeah, but your life doesn't show it that you believe it. Our life has to follow what what, that, what we are saying, what we're trying to teach. So how does this all apply to our own lives as far as waiting expectantly? And how are we going to fulfill that? How can we do that? How can that challenge be uh, brought into my life? And uh, while we're waiting for Him, my challenge is let's do it, serve God unselfishly. And that is, can be hard because we're selfish people. People are selfish, right? It's my way. I don't, oh, this is mine. So, and then also as we look to the, to the future, we might be seeing things happening in this world right now already. Prophecies being fulfilled little bit by little bit, as, as, is, as is stated in here. It's sort of scary, isn't it? We might be living in the end times. We are living towards the end, end times. But does it have to be scary for us? We know the end result. We know the end result, don't we? And so we can look forward to that. And you know, it's described in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11. And I I won't read through that as well. But it talks about a lot of these uh, prophecies that are still going to be coming before Jesus may return. But then, we also have lots of promises in the Bible that can give us Help us through these times of maybe anxiety, times of, but I can't do this. There's just no way. And, and, and what, what if this would happen? And, and just like it t- teaches in the Bible with the, the persecutions and everything ha- else happening. How can I make it through? But we're waiting. We're waiting for that. And we're anticipating. So aren't we anticipating that God will help us through those hard times? There's lots of promises. 1 Thessalonians 5 Verses 5 and 6. Ye are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We're sons and daughters of light. If we are in the word, we will know the signs and times of the times. And we don't have to be scared. But we take reassurance. Ah, one more step closer. I want to still continue to serve him. Second Timothy one seven and this is a very powerful verse. I turn to this lots of times, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of a sound mind, and that sound mind could also be interpreted as a a uh, a mind or a person that has oh boy, the word escapes me right now, but it is, it is very structured in life's lifestyle and, and is has, spends time in the Word, and then just seeks that relationship with Jesus Christ of a sound mind. John 16, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Right there. Jesus has overcome the world. All we need to do is hang on to his promises. It says we will have tribulation. It says you might, doesn't say you might have tribulation. We will have tribulation. So we can have overcome the world with Jesus. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These promises all we can apply to them to our lives daily. Isaiah 41.10, this is the one that I hang on, still hang on to and hung on to. Difficult time in my life, and it's still difficult. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Who is God's righteous right hand? Jesus Christ. He will uphold us. And then that was that was my go-to verse in these last five years. And I praise God that He brings those verses into our, our minds that we can go to, we can have reassurance. Micah 7:7. 7, 7. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for, for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. My God will hear me. There again. Mike was so sure of that, that he wrote that and gave us that promise. So, what is, my, what is my challenge to all of you and challenge to myself? Obviously, we need to wait in expected anticipation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's return. But still be serving God while we're waiting. Then the question, but how? I think we all know, is a very, fam- very familiar verse. Verses, is called the Great Commission. Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to be- observe all things, That I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. He says, I will be with you. To the end of the age. Basically, until Jesus' return. So it doesn't matter what you go through. We're still supposed to be spreading the good news of the gospel. So that others can learn about Jesus. And also, look forward to the return of Jesus. And to spend eternity with God in heaven. So that is our challenge. We have it there in the Bible. We're supposed to still do God's work. Even though we feel inadequate. Even though we don't feel like we can do it. We can't. I can't do it on my own. We can't do it on our own. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God are going to have to help us through that. So I think in order to fulfill that, my challenge to myself is I want to do it in obedience. Then I want to do it with joy. I have to choose joy. If I we'll go out with a sour, sour face trying to proclaim the gospel, I don't. People say I don't want that. Look at him; he looks like it's he's at the end of his ropes or whatever. We're going to sp- supposed to have joy, and he just have that expression. That wonder what, he, what what's he, what's he all about? What's she all about? So joyful that people come up and ask us, "What do you have? What makes you different? Am I different?" And so basically, is we, li- we need to live it out so others want what we have, that challenge, to be able to do what God has called us to. So my challenge is, let's go out and live with expected anticipation of our Lord and Savior, but continue to serve Him and do fulfill the Great Commission. let's stand for a word of prayer heavenly fathers we have looked into your word and we've seen examples in in your word as far as that they were waiting for their redemption of Israel we're waiting for your son Jesus to return again to take us back with him to spend eternity with you in heaven help us to do it with anticipation. Lord, help us to commit our lives to be able to continue to uh, share the gospel and be an example to those around us. Help us to do that knowing that they will see how we live, knowing that if if we do it obediently, do it joyfully, that they might want to know why we are different. Help us to live in such a manner that we are different, that we are joyful that we are obedient. And in doing that, Lord, help us to to continue to look into your word for all those promises that will help us through difficult times and help us to be able to praise and proclaim, as Zechariah did, when he knew the truth. He knew that he had an encounter with you, God. And not only that, he knew what was still coming. The Messiah was coming. And that's what we look forward to, the Messiah, to take us back home with him. We as a bride can go back to heaven and spend eternity with you, God, praising you, fellowshipping with you, honoring, glorifying you. Lord, also pray this morning that if anything that I said that was contradicted to, the, to what is in your word, that that would be uh, blotted out from everyone's mind. And I want only your name to be glorified. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.